0: Good morning. God is good. All so I've, I've titled the talk that we're having this morning kind of a spin on what you hear at the end of our worship service. We usually say the service starts now. I want to I want to hijack that a little bit and change one word and say the serving starts now. First thought: Church is not an event. Church is not an event, but a community. A community where God's love, God's will, God's wisdom, and God's ways are being embraced and lived out on a daily basis. Many scholars believe that the, the, the church showed up on the scene suddenly, and you see what that happening in, in the book of Acts in, 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 in the first chapter. Jesus said to his disciples, he goes, y'all need to hold up for after he was resurrected from the dead. He said, you guys just press the pause button, hang out here for a minute, but I'm going to send you my spirit. And when I send you my spirit, you're going to know it because that spirit going to empower you to be my witnesses in this place and beyond. And in the book of Acts, it tells the story of how suddenly God shows up and, 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 and everything changes. The church was birthed in an instant. The Christian movement wasn't a religious system that kind of evolved because there's no, there's no evidence of that when you look at Assyria Babylon, Egypt, Greece, or Rome. Prior to the spring of A.D. 30, the church of Jesus Christ did not exist, and then suddenly, It exploded into existence on a single day. In Acts 2, verse 42 to 47, Luke describes the new community emerging, coming together and unified by their love for the resurrected Jesus. And that community where Jesus is the center of their lives became a community where broken people were being made whole, where broken relationships were being restored. If you look in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, Especially uh, chapter 12, Paul takes a moment and he describes what the church looks like. And there's two parts of it. The first part from 2 to 11, verses 2 to 11, he talks about the gifts that God had given the church. And and verse uh, 12 to 31 talks about, he uses the metaphor of a body to describe the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, Paul talking about spiritual gifts and unique abilities that God had given the new community says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Everybody say help each other. So the spiritual gifts have been given to us to do what? Help each other. To do what? Help each other. To be helpful, right? You guys are doing good this morning. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. And another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern where a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who is di- who distributes all these gifts. Listen up. He alone. Everybody say, he alone. he alone. He alone. Not you. You don't get to pick your gift. He gives it to you. You get to accept it. He alone decides which gift each person should have. God gives us particular specific graces to be able to walk in a particular lane that he's designed us for. And Sometimes it's okay to you know, there's some amazing and talented folks up here, right? Amazing. And some of you might say, well, how come I'm not up there? Well, maybe it's because you can't sing. <laughs> Just a thought. And it's okay if you can't sing. I, you know, I used to be able to sing. Then when my, when my ear went south, I can not hear a note. You know, I sound like a cat crying in the night. <laughs> you might sound worse. But God gives us gifts to help strengthen the church. That's why he's given those gifts to us. And guess what? You are not your gift. We are not a gift. You've been given stewardship over your gift, but you're not your gift. Or you'll get all puffed up and proud about how good you are, whatever it is that you're doing. And I got some skills. Man, you got no skills. <laughs> you have a gift. You better handle that gift. And, and I'm not just talking about using that gift within the context of our, this celebration that, that happens here. This is not church. This is part of church. But this is not church because church is not an event. We don't come in here. You know, yes, we come together. We have our songs and all this, have our liturgy and etc. cetera. But the church is you in your lane, not only in this place, but in the community, wherever you find yourself. Working out your gift, discovering what that might be, and then leaning into it and becoming a, a game changer wherever you might be. God's given us those gifts to, to be helpful. Helpful. Everybody say helpful. helpful. So if your neighbor's not being helpful, help him out. Get him straight. And then in verse 12 to 31, Paul used the human body. Because our bodies are, they're interconnected, they're intertwined, they're interdependent. Every single part of our body is vital. I don't know about you, but I need all the parts I got. And then Paul, Paul, let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any, any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, you'd be Mike Wigowski. I did <laughs> Right? I mean, remember Monsters, Inc.? Big old eye. That's the dumbest looking thing ever. (laughs) I do not want to be an eye. I want to be a full body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. I'm really, really glad that my hands and my feet are happy to be part of this body because the refrigerator is waiting for me, and I can't get there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I need every part of my body. All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you has a part, verse 27 says that. See, you. yes, you individually, you've been uniquely designed. I love what Psalms, I think it's 139, talks about how God made us on purpose, with a purpose. And I submit to you that part of that purpose is to be involved and intertwined with his church, his body. And that involvement has an integral, it is important to our spiritual health. I submit to you that as followers of Jesus, isolation is not an option. Not an option to be isolated. And I'll kind of, I'd like to point that out in verse, in chapter 12, verse 31. It goes into chapter 13. We'll talk about that a little more. But chapter 12, 31 says this. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. We should earnestly desire. We should really want. The most helpful gifts and the most helpful gifts to me are the gifts that God has given you to, to be in the lane that he's called you to be in. Don't worry about somebody else's gifts. Worry about the one God's give to, given to you, giving you stewardship over. Another verse says, let them show you a better way. So he says, hey, uh, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. First Corinthians 13. So first Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about the gifts that God's given us refers to us as a body, many parts, one body. And then he says, here's what keeps us together. If I could speak all the languages, we were just talking about the gifts, all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, man, that sounds exciting, but didn't have, didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, even became a martyr, I could boast about it, but if I didn't have didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love then he then he described what love looks and feels like. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Love's not rude. Love doesn't demand its own way. It keeps no record of being wrong. Love doesn't get historical in the middle of an argument. If we're supposed to do life alone, if we're supposed to live in isolation, then we wouldn't need 1 Corinthians 13. Wouldn't need it. But we do. Because we need harmony in our lives. We need God's love to be active in our lives. Let's continue. Verse 6. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstances. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will will become useless. There will be a time when your gifts will become obsolete, useless, not needed. But love will last forever. Love will never fail. Your ducks might fail, but love will never fail. Sorry. (laughs) Had to take that cheap shot being a beaver. Go bees. Sorry, when you get the pulpit, you get to cheer your own team on. (laughs) Church is not an event. It's a community. She's a life-giving, thriving, living organism made up of imperfect people uniquely joined and fitted together by God's love. A holy community where the presence of God is sensed and seen. That's what church is. That's what she looks like. That's what she feels like. That brings us to our second point. We were made for love. We were made for love. God's love is an inward reality of a transformed heart, mind, and soul, and it expresses itself outwardly in serving others. In Mark chapter 12, there's an exchange between Jesus and a a, a teacher of religious law says this, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Pretty good question. If you could ask Jesus any question and you ask that question, you might want to hit the pause button, get yourself ready, and let's let's hear what he has to say. So Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and the only Lord. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Loving God with all our... Sometimes we complicate Christianity, don't we, Pastor Jerry? We just complicate it. You got to do this, that. No, here's what you got to do. Listen, real, real quick, listen up. Love God, love others. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Because if you're not, here's what happens. As you love God, his love begins to live inside of you, changes you, transforms you, and then you're able to love people that that are ugly to you, right? Then you can be patient. Then You you can be kind. All those things in 1 Corinthians 13. As he changes us from the inside, we're able to live out the life that he's called us to live on the outside. On the evening of, of the last supper together, Jesus said to his followers, The time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the son, he will give his own glory to the son and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. I'm sorry, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Another version says that they'll they'll know you, for, they'll, they'll know that you're my followers, they'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And if you keep showing that love, guess what happens? God becomes more real to people. This week, this past week, our Horizon Christian High School had homecoming week. Really exciting, really busy around here, Scott Platt and his team of, of maintenance who were just over, overtaxed and, and understaffed, but they did a fabulous job. He had teams of parents and volunteers just making this place just thrive and jump. And uh, and, and, and then we, it culminated on Friday, they had all, all kinds of events during the week, and then it culminated on Friday with our game against Willamina, And we won, it was 50 to 14, but that's not what was really exciting. Um, they might have wanted to use them for the Oregon game, just curious. <laughs> But, sorry. But you know, it was, I loved it because I, I, I announced the games for the, for the football team. So I'm sitting in the back and, and uh, I'm watching the, these families just love on each other. I'm watching these, the, the staff and the students just interacting and loving on each other. And we had our very first homecoming court and they came on the field with these, in these Mustangs. And I had a little covetousness working out in my life that moment when these brand new Mustangs came with these kids. And it was just awesome. I just loved what was going on. We were loving each other. We were loving on one another. And I, and I love that part about our, the community that God has called us to. And then yesterday, we had our first ever Horizon Community Care Golf Tournament. And over 50, about 56 players played. And we had a great time together. You know, we, we didn't win. Anyway. <laughs> And, and, and I, I enjoyed golfing, and I loved the, the, the experience that we had. How many of you guys golfed yesterday? How many of you guys went? Michael. Okay. Yeah, we had a good time. I think Coach Bill Smithers cheated on his scorecard. But I'm just going to leave that between him and the Lord. <laughs> but but what, I, what I personally enjoyed was the fact that I was playing with some guys that I've come to know and love. And we just enjoyed each other's company. David Hauge. Our deli guy, David Eaton, our furniture guy, Carl Rumpf, our paintbrush guy. You know, these guys own companies and they're just, we're just hanging out. And uh, Vince, our mortician, <laughs> he really is one. He's a cool guy. John Ruiz, our geek. Pastor Jerry, of course. And then we had Pastor Stan out there. Clyde Callahan was swing, swinging away. Randy Sapatan and his team were cheating also. <laughs> Michael was, trying to show us up, you know, Larry and and Steve Five. So we just had a a great time. Just a bunch of guys hanging out, loving on each other and, and enjoying life. That's, you know, the world will know that you, the world will know you by your love for one another. So church is not an event, it's a community. We're made for love. And final thought, when we serve people, we communicate, you are valued. When we serve people, we communicate, you are absolutely valuable and valued. God didn't send a text message. He didn't send a Snapchat. He didn't send a Facebook. He didn't post it online. He didn't send an Instagram to us. He sent his only son. He poured himself into human flesh and showed up and said, this is what love looks like right here. This is what it's all about right here. This is what God looks like right here. This is what peace looks like. This is what joy looks like. This is God in human skin. I've come for one reason and one reason only only to rescue you from yourselves, rescue you, forgive you, set you free, restore you in the right relationship with the Father so that we might enjoy heaven together forever. Titus chapter 3 gives us a glimpse of where we were. Remind the believers, he says, to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts, talking about us. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other, but... When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, because we were flatlining, folks. Flatlining. Nothing good to offer. Just a bucket of selfishness. But because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the spirit upon us through jesus christ our savior because of his grace he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we might that we will inherit eternal life that we have a, a hope for heaven as well not only freedom from sins here but hope for eternity this is a trustworthy saying and i want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in god will devote themselves to doing good everybody say doing good That as God's life and his love begins to grow inside of us, that we might be dedicating ourselves to do what he's called us to do, which is doing good. Jesus set the example of a servant for us. He came to do good to humanity. He showed us how valuable we were. God, the eternal God, poured himself into human skin that he might reveal to us hey, you're valuable. I've come to set you free. Even in the middle of our brokenness, nothing to offer. Matthew 10 says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You're, most, you're more valuable than many sparrows. Matthew 20 says this, But Jesus called them together, He could have said, I've come down to be the ruler and king. Because he he could have, that's what he came, I mean he is. But he says in, in verse 28, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. What a great example for us. When we serve people, we communicate to them the simple yet powerful truth, you are valued. When we began Horizon Community Care last year, one of the key factors that made it for me so appealing is that we'd have the ability to mobilize our church family to collaborate with other organizations that are doing good in our community, serving in their lane. That we might connect with them and serve our communities in a real way. That we'd be able to tap into the good that's in you and I to do good for others. And I just wanna tell you, I am proud to be a part of this church. I'm proud. I mean, and I'm talking about the whole church of Jesus, yes, but just for a moment, I'm talking about us here, Horizon Community Church. I'm proud of being part of this family because you're some of the most generous, kind, and caring people that I know. You love reaching our communities and and sharing, and you shared our vision to start a Christian high school, a Christ-centered high school, and so you sacrificed to buy and develop this new campus. You love to help hurting people so you gave financially so we could buy a land in Cambodia so we can build a campus that rescues young people from sex trafficking. You gave. You heard with your ears and with your, you saw with your eyes and you heard with your heart and you gave because you want to help rescue people out of poverty and out of slavery. That's what you did. When we serve people, we communicate to them simply, you are valued. And that's what you're telling kids locally and kids in Cambodia that they're valued. In community care, we've we did a, we did a study a few years ago, and we identified five areas where the greatest needs exist in the communities that call Horizon Home or in, or the communities that f- the members in our church find themselves living. And here are the five areas: poverty, youth mentoring, single parenting, public schools, and we added to it human trafficking. Last year, Horizon Community Care adopted Tualatin Elementary School in and I had a meeting with the counselor, the, the lead counselor, the psychologist at Tualatin Elementary and the, and the principal. And they said, we're going to have this, uh, um, this day where the family comes in and they bring their the, the school supplies. And so we're going to have cupcakes and stuff. You're talking to a barbecue guy. You tell me about no cupcakes. <laughs> so, so he said, cupcakes. And I said, have you guys ever done a barbecue? They go, no, we've never done a barbecue. He said, could we do a barbecue? Oh yeah, that'll be great. But you know they don't have any money, and so we had some very gracious and generous sponsors that gave us the all the supplies, all the food that we need. And we threw a barbecue, we threw a party for them, and they, and, they, and we fed about 450 kids and families that day. And they just had a great time. And they, and they told us after that event, they said, "Yeah, we've never had. We didn't realize the kind of community we had." Well, guess what? You had a part in that. You helped. You help cultivate, you help strengthen Tualatin Elementary School's community. This year they asked us to come back. We threw a party again. Over 500 people showed up. And they all ate and we had food left over. Last year we had like one hot dog or something left over. <laughs> I went back to the sponsor. I said, man, you got to hook us up with some more food. <laughs> and then they asked us, would you, would you adopt us? Could you help us out with our lunch buddy, with our, uh, lunch buddy programs? You know what the lunch buddy program is? It, they, the school identifies some kids that are at risk, and they, and they, they said, would you give us uh, some people that would just spend lunch with them? Invest 40 minutes out of their week to be a lunch buddy. And guess what the qualification is? Everybody calm down here. Take a deep breath. Deep breath out. Inhale. Exhale. You're a candidate. <laughs> We're going to screen you a little bit, check your background. But that's all right. And then you get to come you get to be a lunch buddy. You get to sit there and, you know, Kid comes, says hi, and every week you show up, and guess what, you become a stable person in their life. For some of these kids, they don't have anybody like that. We'll see, will help you out with the lunch buddy program. Last year, we had uh, 12 high schoolers and about six adults from here. We can do better than that, they need 30. And so I'm appealing to you, would you consider being a lunch buddy? They said, hey, could you help us with our lunch with our backpack buddy program? What's a backpack? Well, we have this we have this pantry full of food and we have these backpacks that we have. And then we fill it up with food. There's a list of food. And we've identified some families in our neighborhoods uh, where these backpacks go. So these kids take these backpacks home for some of these kids. That's the only food they get for the weekend. And for some of them, that's the only food their family gets for the weekend. Are you kidding me right now? Absolutely, we're going to help you with your backpack program. And so last year you were so generous in giving we had the pounds of love campaign, and we had a ton of food. We were able to feed over feed about a hundred families that that needed some help and, and gave them gifts. and then the leftovers went to fill the pantries at the at the elementary school as well as some other organizations that needed that were helping out families with relief. that was that's what you did. And so I'm asking you, would you consider being part of our backpack putty bro- program as well as the our Lunch Buddy program. If you're interested, and I don't want to guilt you, okay, you're grown folk. If you want to do it, that'd be great. Let the Spirit of God kind of move on your heart. But if you don't do it, man, I'm, I'm come after you. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. There's a, there's a table out in the lobby that if you're interested in more information, Steve and Brenda will be able to visit with you about it. You can sign up and just get involved. There's a coach. Anybody ever seen the field when the game, film when the game stands tall? Ever see that? It's a movie that came out about a football team, and uh, they played against a team called Long Beach Poly High School. Well, that's where I went to school, Long Beach Poly Jackrabbits. It's located on the east side of Long Beach, Southern California. And when I was going to school there, they bus- i lived on the west side—they'd bus us from the west side to the east side. And uh, there's a there's a gentleman named Tom Knudsen who was a line coach. He's my offensive and defensive line coach as a junior in high school, and. Uh, Tom Newton was like this white guy. He's about six-two or 3. Had arms like Popeye. You know, had, had long flowing blonde hair. And he, I think he lived in his van. He had this white van and he lived in his van, I think. That's the only time we ever saw him was when he had his van. So on the football team, he was a great coach, a great mentor for me as a, as a player. But every now and then, he, this one time he introduced a kind of new form of discipline. If we messed up in practice, then we became candidates to push his van around the track. So he would drive his white van onto the track, 440 yards pushing, the, the van was, was waiting for you if you messed up in practice. Well, guess who messed up in practice? Surprise to no one. <laughs> so me, Daryl Riley, and Freeman Bailey kind of messed up. We messed up really bad, and so, so we had to push the van. Daryl Riley's about six, four, 300 pounds, big black brother, and then uh, Freeman Bailey's another black brother, and, and so me, Bailey, and Riley, we're pushing this van after practice, right, around the field. And he's putting the brakes on every now and then. <laughs> I'm like, man, what's wrong with this man? So, so he's kind of, after practice, we missed because the bus is gone now. So now we don't have a ride home. Well, Coach Newsom gave us a ride home. Now, where we live on the west side, at least in our neighborhood, it's not very nice. People are like, Psh, go by real fast, one of those neighborhoods. So he offered to give us a ride. And I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. White guy in our neighborhood. So, so we load up the van and we start heading back to the west side and then he takes off early into this area. It's called Bixby Nose. It's kind of like the Lake Oswego. You know what I'm saying? So, We rarely got up to that part of the neighbor, the area so we're like, hey man, where's this white man taking us? So we pull off. He goes, hey, you guys hungry? I remember Riley and, and Bailey and I were like, we don't have any money. You know, we're so poor we couldn't pay attention. So so he said, you guys want to eat? I said, oh, Coach, we don't, have, we don't have any money. So I didn't ask you guys if you had any money. I asked you if you're hungry. Oh, yes, sir. We're real hungry. He goes, okay, have you guys had any uh, sandwiches? Well, when you say sandwiches, to me, I think of bologna, mayonnaise and bologna sandwich, or mayonnaise and ketchup sandwich on white bread. That's good stuff, man, when you're growing up in the hood. Um, government cheese. Anyway. So, so we pull up and, he, and, he, and he, we see this menu of sandwiches and we're like deers, in the, you know, like frogs in a, in a hailstorm. You know, we, so he goes, hey, uh, uh, you guys want to eat some stuff? And we, we said, coach, you're just going to have to buy it. So he buys these huge sandwiches and they were called pastrami. I never heard the word before then. Pastrami, apparently it's a kind of meat. Anyway, so we got this steaming hot sandwich coming in the back and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good day. Pass it to Riley. He's eating already. Didn't even give Bailey the sandwich. So, I, so we, we're sitting here with these huge sandwiches. And then he passes these big gulp cups, like that big, with orange stuff in it. Man, we thought we had died and gone to heaven. So, so we get back, and he's dropping us off in our neighborhoods. I'm the last one to get dropped off. And I remember thinking to myself, what's this guy's hustle? What's the game? Because I was waiting for him to kind of pull the, the bait and switch Hey, I gave you this so you got to play for me. Never came up, never, we got in trouble a few times, and there was a few other times I actually wanted to get in trouble, hoping that he'd buy me another sandwich. (laughs) So I called Coach Newson, this is a million years ago, right? I'm 55, Coach Newson's probably close to his 70s. I called him last spring on the phone, I was just thinking about him, praying for him. And his wife picks up the phone. They're in Orange County. They're driving down the freeway. And he goes, oh, Coach. I said, is Coach there? He goes, yeah, he's driving right now. I'll just put you on speakerphone. So he puts me on and I said, hey, Coach, it's Roger. He goes, hey, Roger, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Because we had seen each other probably about five or six years ago. He had happened to come up here for a coaching clinic. I said, hey, Coach, I just want to tell you that I love you. And that I appreciate you. Thank you for changing my life. Just bought me a sandwich. Amazing what a sandwich can do, right? But what he did is he showed me value. Showed me value. When you serve somebody, what you're telling them is you are valuable. Church is not an event, it's a life-giving community. We were made for love. And when we serve people, we communicate your value.